0: Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now, disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. Good morning beautiful saunterers, welcome to our final saunter in the book of Hebrews. Wow, it has been amazing, what an incredible book. And it's just so rich and so deep. I mean, it really does kind of merit a lot more thought than we've been able to cover in the the half hour every day that we've taken. But let's continue to reflect on it and meditate on it and keep going back to it because it's going to continually be a source of life and encouragement to us. Good morning, Lisa. Hope things are good with you. And um, so anyway, we're going to pray. And welcome the Lord to help us. So, Lord Jesus, we welcome you this morning into our homes and wherever we are, we invite you to speak to us and just be right here with us by your spirit in your beautiful name. Amen. So, chapter 13, the final chapter. So, we've covered some pretty... Good morning, Mark. We've covered some pretty intense theology in this book and it's really very profound and very deep and rich and it goes back to the Old Testament in a lot of detail or quite a bit of detail and now we're going to kind of come in one we're changing tack once again kind of and we're going to have some pastoral admonition or some kind of good directions practical directions fairly simple for how to live the Christian life and Obviously, keeping in mind that we're talking about holding on, running the race, finishing well, not just starting well and not getting sucked back into a kind of um, what would for these guys have been perhaps a much safer option, which was to resume their return to their um, Jewish roots and their Jewish kind of rituals and so on. Um <clears throat> and the writer is saying actually we need to press on, keep and once all the time he keeps redirecting us to Jesus, doesn't he? And keep re consider Jesus, consider him, um, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, author and finisher of our faith, and so on and so on. And now he's saying, So let brotherly love continue, verse one. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let's hold that little thought there. So, saying that brotherly love continue presumes makes the assumption that brotherly love exists. This is called. This is the word Philadelphia. It means. Brotherly love—it's—it's it's that kind of beautiful um, <sighs> love and affection that should exist between brothers. And he says, "This is this should be the climate of your lives. This should be the climate of the church and the atmosphere of the church." And he, so he's saying, "Let this continue. We need to just do a little." reality check I guess for ourselves and say well is there brotherly love going on in my life am I demonstrating brotherly love and um, giving it away and sharing it and so now we're going to have a few little demonstrations of what that is so don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers well kind of strangers aren't really my brothers maybe they are Um, but hospitality to strangers is an eastern Um, tradition it's a high value in eastern society particularly the nomadic people Um, but it was very very important in the church practice hospitality without grumbling the apostle paul says and so he's saying show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares um we know that we're encouraged to um, show hospitality to people who can't pay us back Jesus said that didn't he to to invite people who can't pay us back and there's something about opening our home or showing hospitality to strangers maybe taking them out for a coffee or taking them out for a meal people who we don't know very well and there's a distance between us but we're trying to bridge that gap um, and it, there's a risk, isn't there? There's a vulnerability in it. We bring that person into our home. What if it's not fun and we can't get rid of them? And there they are sitting at our table and we're kind of, oh my goodness. And maybe they're just a difficult person. But actually, there's that risk involved. <clears throat> and what he's saying here is actually, if you're willing to take that risk and open your heart and open your home to people who you don't necessarily know and who maybe aren't able to pay you back you'll find a reward. You may find that that person is actually an angel, or you may find that angels have come along as unseen guests to that meal. Who knows? We should not limit what God can do or wants to do. I believe this is a literal promise, not just a reference to Abraham back when he entertained the angels outside his tent and realized that actually God himself was there. But those stories are obviously for our benefit and to instruct us and help us. But, you know, we need to be ready to put ourselves out and see what God will do in response to it. Um, Responding in the moment, yes, but also even planning to have someone around who we don't know very well. Someone we've seen around maybe at church and we don't really know them. And so why not open our homes up? Open our homes up and say, Come to my house, be my guest, and let me actually treat you specially. Let me give you something a little bit special out of my heart. And let's see where God takes it. Good morning, Kathy and Lizzie. So remember those who are in prison. This is presumably other believers that he's talking about, although it's a good thing to remember people in prison anyway. And particularly for these guys when they were in prison for their faith their life in prison was pretty bleak and there wouldn't have been food and stuff and they would be entirely dependent on people coming in and bringing um help and so on and so on and serving them and loving them um so and since you are also in the body so he's saying like remember what it feels like to have a body and what it feels like for that body to be in pain and let's have some empathy and compassion and, and let's give ourselves to these people and serve them, and so on. Right, verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Wow. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, let marriage be held in honor among all. Marriage is this incredible gift that God has given us, where the two, the man and the woman, become one flesh, they enter into a covenant together to stay together for the rest of their lives, to exclude all other people from their bed, and that's it. And it becomes like this um union. But there's something special about it is that. God uses it as an analogy for Jesus's love for the church in that covenant that exists between Jesus and the church and so if God will elevate marriage to that incredible level and say look this is a picture of Christ in the church marriage is a picture of Christ in the church how much honor should we give to it now I know that in our day and age there's a huge amount of effort being made by certain um, pressure groups to bring other things up to the level of marriage and say this is marriage this is marriage this is marriage it isn't the marriage that God gave us as a gift is between a man and a woman and we should never trade on that and and kind of let it go If someone wants to be in a same-sex relationship, let them call it something else. That's my personal opinion. Um, But let's not try to um, kind of pirate marriage and say that something is marriage that isn't. And so we need to hold it in honour and keep it in its rightful place in our minds. And actually, um, once we are married, let's be faithful in that relationship and keep the marriage bed pure. Let's not have uh, some tolerance for adultery or kind of extramarital relationships to somehow spice things up or whatever. All of that is just so, so far away from what God had in mind. And there's something so precious about a marriage that has stood the test of time and kind of weathered the storms and come through. I know it's not always possible. I know that sometimes it breaks down irretrievably and people are broken as a result of it. And God wants to heal those people and pick them up and restore them. But let us not in the process um, become dismissive or dishonouring of marriage as a thing because it is a beautiful gift from God. And just because some marriages don't work doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the idea of marriage. Do you know what I mean? It's like just because your car breaks down doesn't mean there's something fundamentally flawed about the idea of cars. Cars are great. They're really useful, but sometimes they break down. Sometimes they can be fixed and sometimes, sadly, they can get into a wreck and they need to be, you know, it's over, I guess. And and so the same really is it's, it's important we understand and we hold in high value and high regard what is the covenant of marriage and so god is god does hold unfaithfulness and that kind of thing really seriously it's a because it's against you know one of the commandments is you shall not commit adultery why is that because it leaves people wrecked and destroyed and broken doesn't it that's why good morning deepak so um, keep your love, free, keep your life free from the love of money. The love of money can creep in, can't it? And so maybe we start off and we're very kind of generous and easygoing with our money. And maybe when we're poor, we're more generous, or when we've got less coming in, and then we can gradually start to think, oh, I don't know, I need a bit more. I need a better holiday. I need a better car. I need a better house, or whatever. Or I need some better clothes and our expectations start to come up, and maybe we think, oh, and I need to put some aside for when I'm old, and all these kinds of things, and so, but we can start to find that the love of money has crept in, so he says here, keep your life free from the love of money, be content with what you have, it doesn't mean you shouldn't go for a better job if you can, it doesn't mean you shouldn't look to work hard, and get, make profit on your business, and an increase in wealth and all the rest of it but keep your love life free from the love of it that's the point um and he remember that god himself is our very great reward so the lord is my helper i will not for and it's like something about being generous keeps us trusting in god if we're going to be generous with what we have it means that we're probably going to find that sometimes we've slightly run out because we gave it away and there's no food left in the cupboard because we baked a cake and gave it to somebody or we've had some people around some strangers around some angels came to our house and ate all our food so then we need to <laughs> we need to have confidence in god that he is actually our helper and he is actually our provider and he will help us through it and even in these challenging financial times jehovah jireh the lord provide this my provider is still true it's still the promise of god So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Verse 7, he says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God. Those who spoke to you, the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Right. (laughs) Not all leaders are perfect. In fact, no leaders are perfect. Let's be really clear about that. No leaders are perfect. But what he says is, remember them. Look at the way they live, look at the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. They're there as a role model. Don't forget them. Don't be dismissive of them. Don't think oh, I don't need them anymore. Actually, do you know what is always really helpful to have people running the race who are maybe a few yards down the block ahead of us and we can try and catch up with them and keep up with them and look at how they're running and how they're getting on and observe their lives, consider the principles they live by, listen to their wisdom, get some. Wisdom by running up alongside them and saying, Can you come on, teach me, teach me? This is really, really good. It's important. So remember your leaders, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Really, really important scripture. If you haven't learned it yet by heart, learn it, memorize it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever and even though verse 9 do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them he's saying even though there's strange doctrine strange teaching th- teachings come and go ideas become popular for a bit and fashions and trends happen even within church teaching remember your leaders remember their consider their way of life and look at Jesus he never changes he's the same yesterday and today and forever there's one consistent role model you should have in your life it is Jesus you should be <laughs> we should be we must model ourselves on him look at him reflect on him consider him all the time and good morning nathan and rosemary and so he says do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them right he's talking again about the the rituals of eating the food that's been sacrificed and so on saying actually This isn't going to strengthen your heart. What's going to strengthen your heart is grace. It's going to be that what will strengthen your heart, what will make a difference today, tomorrow and forever is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the kindness, the gift of God, which is access to his holy presence through the blood of Jesus. It's not going to the The uh, temple anymore and eating the sacrifices or anything else, or any other temple, any pagan temple that should be a given. We shouldn't have to be told that. Verse 10 We have an altar from those who serve the tent, have no right to eat. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. So, the priesthood of the old covenant actually don't have access to what you and I have access to, not until. They stop what they're doing and come to Jesus and surrender their hearts and lives to him. And then we have access, they have access then, as we have access to the very presence of God and sweet fellowship with God himself, which is utterly amazing. Verse 11, For the body of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city. Good morning, Sarah. But we seek the city that is to come. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Right, let's just stop. So what he, he started on this little topic, and he kind of going kind to of go down that little road a little way and then come back. Good morning, Dave. He's saying listen, the priests who offer these sacrifices, they can't come to the table of the Lord. They can't come and receive from Jesus until they turn from all of that. There's no compatibility. There's, you know, it doesn't work to be doing the sacrifices of animals and then thinking you can come to fellowship with God through Jesus. It has to be Jesus is the way. there is no sort of hybridization of this. there's no sort of in-between kind of thing. But then he's on this track and he and he starts to think about it and he says actually on the day of atonement there was the um, the, the body and the, the hide and the dung of the animal that was sacrificed was taken outside of the camp outside of the city and burned and and it's like this kind of ah oh, is the discarded waste that is considered to be so it needs to be disposed of and that it's done outside of the city in an unsanctified unclean kind of place but now he says that's exactly what happened to Jesus that he was discarded he was pushed out he was rejected by his own people; he was pushed outside of the camp, where his body was crucified on this cross, and he became an outcast and a reject for you and me. Isn't this incredible? Verse twelve. So Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. And then the the writers, of the Hebrews, are saying, "Right, you and me." We must accept that in order to follow Jesus, it means that we are put outside of the the kind of society that we may want to be accepted by. So for these Jews, these Hebrew believers, to follow Jesus was to become an outcast and to be kind of socially and religiously and maybe even physically shunned by these people. Their own kinsfolk, if you like, they were pushed outside of the camp, and and but the writer of the Hebrews is saying, "That's great. Let's go outside of the camp. Good morning, Arena. Let's go outside of the camp and find Jesus and share the reproach he bore. Let's let's willingly, joyfully take on that that kind of rejection and that that um what's the word where we become a social outcast." Um, for the sake of Jesus. So let's bear the reproach he endured. And then he goes on to say, verse 14, here we have no lasting city. This isn't really where we belong. This isn't where we get to stay. And so bear in mind, again, he's speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to Hebrews. Their whole whole sense of identity was centered around Jerusalem. And yet, We know that just a few years down the road, the whole city in the the temple area is going to be completely decimated and destroyed. And he's prophesying, he's saying, we don't have a lasting city here. This isn't where our, our identity is anymore. Our identity is in the heavenly Jerusalem, that city that God is building without hands. That's where our identity comes from. Our identity is not in keeping the law. Our identity is in Jesus, the Messiah, who has kept the law and satisfied it in every respect for you and me so that we can come in on his invitation because he's made a way. So we are in the family of God, not as a, not on the basis of our ethnicity, but on the basis of Jesus himself. And his incredible work on the cross and his incredible invitation for us. And so he says, we don't have a lasting city here. It's really, really important. And my dear brothers and sisters in Ukraine, I know you've watched and lived through the decimation of some of your cities. And we're seeing in the news how Bakhmud is just being reduced to nothing by continuous bombardment and bombing and everything else, and it's really tough and it's really difficult. But the writer to the Hebrews is is really making an important point for us wherever we live and wherever we are. Actually, here we have no lasting inheritance. We have no lasting city. This isn't where our identity is. Our identity is with Him. Our identity is in heaven with Him forever and ever. And this time on earth, we are pilgrims, we're we're on a journey. Right, I'm going on, aren't I? So, and then he says, so we're going to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So there is something that God's looking for from our mouths. It's not just our mouths, but he is looking for that worship and that sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving, honour to him continually. So we're never going to overdo worship because he can we're we're encouraged to um offer up continually but it's the sacrifice of lips sorry the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name so we're acknowledging the name of jesus and then he says don't neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to god and so these things are both linked it's not just what we say or sing with our lips, but it's how we live and how we are generous with what we have and share what we have and doing good. And those kinds of things are also part of our worship. God considers that a sacrifice that pleases him. Really interesting, isn't it? Paul says, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. How we live today is a sacrifice of worship. So it's a Saturday here and We're going to live in a particular way and do certain things. But even when we may be not at work as such, how we live is a sacrifice to God on days off and days of work and all the rest of it. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. We don't especially like being told to obey somebody, not here in England. We like to be independent and have self-determination and so on but there is something about submitting to our spiritual leaders and just honoring them so number one remembering them and observing their lives but number two actually heeding what they say and taking on board their instructions and so on submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account that is a bit scary if you are a pastor good morning christine that we're actually keeping watch over each other's souls as ones who will give an account. It's like, it's, <laughs> we're going to stand before Jesus and he'll be like looking at us and saying, well, how did, you know, what about this and what about that? And we'll be like, oh my, <laughs> oh my. And so he's he said that the spiritual leaders will have to give an account. And so, you know, like, then he goes on to say, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. That sort of passive aggressive moaning and groaning or just the or eyes rolling. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So he says that is not a benefit to you if that's the way you respond to your leaders, but also is is no blessing to them, is it? It just makes their life a misery. If every time they have to say anything to you, you make it impossible for them. Verse 18 then pray for us for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things that's a bit like the, the kind of stuff paul says i tried to want to i want to check out myself so that having preached to others i will not be disqualified myself so it's that sense of like keeping a clear conscience i think i have a clear conscience but actually God, let me have a clear conscience. Let me be in a right place with you all the way through and let me not subtly get deceived and sort of sidelined off into some kind of cul-de-sac or wrong thinking or anything like that. So he says, pray for us that we are su- for we are sure we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things, honorably in all things. Very simple, isn't it? But really 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 profoundly important and then he says i verse 19 i urge you the more honestly to sorry the more earnestly to do this in order that i may be restored to you sooner so he's longing to come back to them physically verse 20 gorgeous little benediction here blessing now may the god of peace Who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. What a name for Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us, that is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow, that is a beauty, isn't it? So he's saying, may the God of peace, wow, this is a, another name for God that we, we don't use so much, do we? The God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is so fundamental to what, we're, what we believe. But he's saying, let him equip you with everything good that you may do his will. So he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us, he's made us partakers, sharers in the divine nature. He's given his own heart to us. He's given, written his law in our hearts and put his, and he's saying, may he give you everything good that you may do his will. And he's working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. So God is at work in us. You're not on your own. So to the Hebrews, the Jewish people, receiving this message he's saying you're not on your own you've got this great shepherd of the sheep and God's equipping you with everything good that you may do as well in verse 22 he says I appeal to you brothers bear with my word of exhortation for I have written to you briefly you should know that our brother Timothy has been released I guess that's released from prison with whom I shall see you if he comes soon Greet all your leaders and all the saints and those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. And so we get this little kind of almost, we're going to almost have a re- re- great reveal at the end of the identity of the writer. And then it doesn't happen. He doesn't say, I Paul sign this off in my own hand. Look, see what big letters I'm using. None of that. He, he But he does mention that he knows Timothy and they'll probably come together. So who is it? Does it even matter? What an incredible letter. This is clearly one of the apostles who's in the crowd with Timothy and Paul and those guys, if it isn't Paul himself. But the most important thing is not who wrote it. The most important thing is the message. And I pray that as you continue to reflect on it today and maybe go back over these um, saunters and listen again, And read it for yourself and reflect on it. God will continue to speak to you. And so I speak this blessing over you now. In Jesus' name, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Have an amazing day, you guys. God bless you. I love you loads. And watch this space for the next saunter. Not sure when it'll be. I'm going to be off to Ukraine on Tuesday. So pray for me and um, pray for Mark and pray for all the, the things we're going to be up to over there and pray for God's divine appointments and God bless you loads. Amen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, and get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.